When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. muted mike you're listening to the az wildcats podcast joined by ben white tony altimore i am mike luke all right we have got a lot to get to this show right here but first guys tony welcome back to the show how are you doing doing great it's an honor to be back dude all right ben white how are you doing my friend i am doing great and i'm ready to back the a and uh, beat the usc trojans tomorrow Dude, let's all right. Let's talk about it. First and foremost, Tony, I went on your show and we predicted, and I predicted Arizona would cover, but Arizona is going to have Arizona is going to have a, a difficult time with the USC offense. What do the people out there need to know about USC's offense? Uh, they have kind of an embarrassment of riches, and they have so it, it's wild. I mean, you, you guys have seen them. One of the wild things about USC too is that they because especially because of Caleb Williams, they have enough talent that they can turn a completely busted, broken play into a 70-yard touchdown, which right. which in some ways I think has actually covered up some of some of the areas where offense has actually been a little bit weak this year. Right. Um, like, if you compare that to Michigan, you know, just sort of methodically drives down the field. You know, sometimes we'll kind of sputter for a while and then just, you know, Caleb scramble, 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 70-yard touchdown. And it kind of looks the same in the scores, but it's not necessarily the same as it comes out. So the, the offense has been just fantastic, but uh, ha, has had moments where they didn't look so good. Uh, particularly, right. you take a look at like what happened with Colorado. I mean, Colorado kind of buttoned them up in the second half. So, you know, if Arizona's defense plays strong, Arizona's got a, a you guys have a pretty decent defense that you've been building up. It, it could cause trouble for us. Yeah, and that's the thing too, Ben. Is when I when I look at this, the thing that I watch about the USC offense is that I think they, I think they're the most diverse offense in the country. To be honest with you, you look at Washington, and Washington was able to throw the ball obviously with Michael Penix, but you don't have that kind of running game where you've got multiple five star backs out of the backfield that look like they can break something at any point. Um, I think that is going to be the biggest problem for Arizona going forward. Here is that. It's easy. It's easier if you've got one team that you can uh, that you can game plan for, or one part of the ball you can game plan for. It's a totally different one if you've got both that you've got to be able to game plan for. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, we we've talked about it on the show throughout the week, where you look at USC and from a talent standpoint, how many NFL guys are potentially on that roster? I mean, there's at least a dozen. Whereas you look at Arizona, you're talking maybe four or five guys at best long term. So that's what makes USC just so dynamic as as Tony is well aware. I mean, you've got Kayla Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. You've got a plethora of wide receivers and you've got an awesome run game as well. So, I mean, they can beat you in every single area. And if you're Arizona's, you know, that's the thing, right, is you're going to have to 
have a stellar A plus performance from your offense because every single possession, you've got to be able to score or do something. Because as we know, guys, USC, when they have the ball in their hands, Mike, they're going to score. Yeah. Tony, what worries you most about uh, Arizona right now? Because let's not act like Mr. Tony Altimore is not a little worried as a de facto member of the back the A movement now. Hey, uh, first of all, you guys know, I mean, I love what Jed Fish is doing and respect how Arizona is playing so well. Look what you guys did against Mississippi State. Look what you just did against Washington. And Mississippi State sucks. You're being nice there. No, no, but I mean, you guys should have won that game. Right, for sure. So there with all the cowbells. I mean, you still have your hearing after the cowbells, so kudos to you guys. But when you take a look at Arizona, I mean, if look what you just did, look what you did to UCLA last year. The same thing could happen to USC if they have off game you know it i mean I, I don't think that arizona has like the better players that they're going to overpower them but if they you get some turnovers you take advantage of usc's defense which is so suspect right now right uh now one of the things about usc's defense is two years ago our defense was atrocious you because you guys remember yours was too mm-hmm. actually oh yeah <laughs> tony we can relate yeah exactly you know how it was so last year they were a lot just like you guys last year they were a lot better and, and this year they're better, but they're still not where they need to be. And they tend to give up big plays, which if, if you guys can create some, a couple of big plays, you get a couple of turnovers, and all of a sudden it's a heck of a ball game. Right. Ben? I mean, last people forget last year's ball game was a heck of a ball game. Yep. Last year's ball game was awesome. That's where Dorian Singer came to your guys' realization, and you decided you were going to take him from us. <laughs> they did. It, it's also, I believe uh, – probably the end of Mike Mothershed's officiating time for the Pac-12 as well. Ben, I think Tony hits the nail on the head, though, that uh, Arizona generally plays SC kind of tough for whatever reason. And I don't know that there's an indication that this shouldn't be the case again. This game, I know the spread is definitely an indication otherwise, but I look for Arizona to be able to hang in there here. I think Arizona's going to score some points. We're going to get to that in a second there, though, Ben White. They're going to cover for sure. I don't understand the the point spread, but look, it's it's a big game for Arizona because how many of these kids that play for the Wildcats are coming from Southern California? The lights are on. They want to impress the hometown crowd. They feel like there's a chip on them, right? Because they're underdogs because a lot of them weren't necessarily maybe good enough to get that right. USB offer and go there. And they take it personally. They take it to heart. And let's be honest here, guys. USC's defense is, is no great unit by any means. I mean, you saw it just last week in that second half against Colorado. There's no reason, absolutely no reason, that ball game should have been as close as it was. So no. USC's defense has its vulnerabilities, Tony. And uh, that's something yeah. that Aaron might capitalize on and, and that's the thing too is the defense tends to give up these big plays and they're and they're big plays that are missed tackled right like right you look at what uh arizona state did you, you're looking at the guy who runs down the field after he literally should have been tackled twice and so those are the kinds of things that can come back from an arizona standpoint can come back to haunt you because you don't necessarily have to you know have the the, the you know the fastest guy in the country out there you just have to you know have usc able to tackle a couple times and all of a sudden now you've got some points all right and one thing that uh when i watch usc i've never understood this explain to uh-huh. me the fascination with alex grinch as the defensive coordinator everywhere this guy goes and ben white and i were talking about this before everywhere this guy goes he gets big time job after big time job he stinks at all the big time jobs and he gets another big time job he's like steve sarkeesian until this year he fails upward tony altimore so here, here's the thing and, and i'll 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 preface this with what what i've been telling everybody is look at the end of the at the end of the season if the defense continues to cause problems i think we need to change in that area however 
he has dramatically improved our defense. And one of the one of the issues, and people can debate whether this is talent, or this is coaching, or whatnot, is unlike the past, where you know under our dark days of Clay Helton, the guys are in the position to make the tackles, and they're just not tackling them. Right. So does that yeah, mean that yeah. we need better coaching? Does that mean we need some better fundamentals? Does that mean we need better defensive players? You know, defense is hard to build up. So what are you, you know, saying, I'm, Tony? You're asking, what does it mean? We're asking you, as the special guest on here, what does it mean, my friend? Yeah. So I, I can, I've, and I've said this on on our post game shows that I, I think if the defense does not show marked improvement during this year, that, that they do need to make a change in that area. However, if you take a look at the season, you know, the last two games, the defense looked bad. The two mm. games before that, the defense looked phenomenal. Right. And so the question is, you know, did they have and also, I, you guys, you guys know, I tend to throw my hands up at whatever happens at Arizona State at night in the desert, right? Because my wild things happen guy. in the desert at night. But if if they play like they played at Colorado, then there's absolutely has to be a change. But if the Colorado game was just a bad game, you know, it's hard to win on the road. So unlike a lot of our fans, I'm not, you know, predicting the end is near, but but certainly they need to be cognizant of the fact that if, if there's not significant improvement during the year, then it has to be made, a change made. And there will be, because quite honestly, if the defense plays like they played against Colorado, we're going to lose four games. Ben, Arizona needs to be able to put the ball in the end zone against SC. We're throwing the gauntlet right down, whatever you want to call it. Arizona should be able to score against USC. We're going to get to know if a feed here in a minute, everyone, but Ben, Arizona has got to be able to put points on the board right here. I am sorry. They need to be able to. Look, I mean, USC is going to score at least 38 points minimum. And Arizona has shown at times under Fafita, especially last week, where you look at this roster, you've got the personnel, you've got the plethora of running backs. You should be able to establish the run. You've got T-Mac, who could play anywhere in the country at receiver, who is a phenomenal deep threat. Cowing is as consistent as anybody in college football. So there's no reason this team shouldn't be able to find you know, some mojo offensively. And I think that starts with establishing the run, making things easy, and then opening things up as the game goes on because you don't want to go toe-to-toe with USC and get to a point, as Tony knows, because it'll go bad for the Wildcats, where (laughs) whoever has the ball last is winning that game. Because I assure you, every time USC has that ball, especially if they have it last, they're going to score and win that game. So you don't want to get into a shootout situation. Rely on your defense. I mean, Arizona's defensive line is remarkably improved than where it's been the last few years. So if some guys can at least make the run game a little bit uh, challenging for USC, then you've got a chance. But I'm sorry, you've got to score at least 38 points. This is not going to be a game that you can win 24 to 21. It's just not, Mike. All right, we're going to talk about Noah Fafita here in just a moment right here. The first 5'7 power 5 traditional quarterback that we have ever seen. But first, Tony Altimore, you strike me as a man with money and a man who bets. Is this true? Uh, I don't bet on the Trojans because I love them too much and they don't always cover the spread. All right. Well, here's the deal. I've I've learned not to bet on the Trojans, but I do support betting on other teams. All right. Well, here's the deal then, Tony. Gambling, or if you, uh, we're going to give, here's your call to action for you. Get on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PHNX. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you, excuse me, when you bet. 
five on the NFL. That's code PHNX only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours, Mr. Tony Altimore. Okay, now, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-9369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling, 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensing partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, uh, uh, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, Tony. Bonus bets uh, expire 186 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.com, draftkings.com, slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. All right, I got that out of the way right there. Now, let's talk about Noah Fafita, my friends. Okay. No, I, Ben White and I are on the same page that Noah Fafita, it's time to be the starter. Now I was on your show and, uh, yeah, uh, they were talking about uh, JDL. JDL was awesome against SC last year. The problem is we haven't seen that JDL this year. Not only have we not seen that JDL, JDL's kind of been the reason that Arizona's losing games. Noah Fafita came in and led a, a valiant come from behind victory against Stanford right there and then put the game away. Tony, are you guys ready for the are you guys ready for the 57 uh, magician to hit the field right here? Hey, if he can make it happen, he can make it happen. I right. mean, you know, the the, the thing uh Jake Hayner used to laugh uh, about saying when people said, "Oh, well, you know, if you were five, if you were six foot instead of five eleven, and Jay Gaynor was like, "Well, those guys are six four, so you know, one extra inch, I still can't see over them. Like, it does, right. doesn't matter, you know." And if if he brings that energy to them and he can make it happen, then then that's what you guys need. Um, you know, JDL has had some issues off the field and on the field, and so if you've got a good leader and it, and it's working. You know, stranger things have happened because if he can make it work, then it sounds like it's a good thing for you guys. What's interesting about him, Ben, is that, yes, he's 5'7", but like Tony said, we hear, we hear people all the time that say, well, man, imagine if he was 5'11 or 6 foot. Well, he wouldn't be here then. He would be Bryce Young. Right. He, would, he, wouldn't be at, <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't be at the U of A. I'm sorry, Bryce Young, uh, Southern California native uh, Bryce Young right there. Um, but he wouldn't be here. He's here, obviously. The thing about that I like about Noah is that he understands the playbook. He's got actually a better arm than people think. I don't think he necessarily is just this game manager that so many, I think, have fallen into this uh, idea of thinking about there, Ben. Well, there's a reason he was rated and regarded the way he was. Like you said, he's not somebody like younger in that class, but I mean, he's somebody that had his options and there's a reason too, why this locker room just really resonates and has gathered themselves around him. I mean, you've heard from day one, even when JDL was back there at quarterback, that this locker room really had a respect and a just a level of understanding around him, maybe more so than a JDL. But I think the thing with him, and it's so important, especially as you get into these Pac-12 games, is just understanding just what you are and self-awareness. He's right. very aware of what he is. He understands that he's a little bit undersized. He understands that it's not going to be a good idea to run out there and play reckless and take hits because – he could ultimately get hurt the way this offense is set up. And I think the way they use him is, is spot on from what we saw in Washington. He's a guy who is able to make the big plays when need be. He can throw it deep like we saw, but he also understands that, Hey man, if I can get five or seven yards in front of me and move the chains, that's all we need to do because I've got Michael Wiley 
and I've got Jonah Coleman in the backfield. I've got T-Mac deep down the field. I've got Tanner McLaughlin, my tight end. I've got a variety of options and tools to help me make those plays and move the chains. Whereas JDL, as we've talked about, even if the wide open play is right in front of him, five, six yards down the field, an easy first down, how many times does he sit back there and say, nah, I'm going to wait another couple of seconds and I'm going to try to force this ball deep. And before you know it, the DBs and the safety has, has keyed in on T-Mac or whoever the receiver is, and it results in a stupid turnover. So I think self-awareness is key. I think he understands exactly what he is, and I think he's on the same page with the coaching staff. Just looks a lot more comfortable out there, Mike. Uh, he does. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one ahead, thing to think about, too, and it sounds really stupid, but I, we saw it last year a couple times. With, when Wazoo had the guy who was really short, I know this sounds really dumb, but he ended up causing a ton of targeting penalties. Right. Because he's so short. Right. Right. And I'm not used to it. Yeah. It, it, it as dumb as that sounded, it, it definitely affected us against Wazoo. All right, Tony, tell us about your DBs here a little bit, because again, uh, Domani Jackson, obviously five-star kid out of modern day T-Mac torched him in high school. I put a tweet out reminding people about this. <laughs> um, what do we need to know about the cornerbacks for SC? And is this something that Arizona can take advantage of my friend? They've been very inconsistent. So if they play like they again, like they played against Colorado and against ASU, they could get torched. They have not been making tackles. The other thing, and this this could affect depending on your quarterback, they play very aggressively for the turnovers. Uh, USC's defense, and last year was just an amazing year for that. But one of the things that they do in sort of in their defensive strategy is they play for the turnovers. Right. So if you can sort of you know take advantage of that, and while they're trying for the turnover, you end up getting past them. That's what has happened a number of times, much to uh, the fans' dismay. Right. So, and that's Ben, that's where Arizona's got to be able to take advantage. Again, I'm going to sound like a broken record here. I don't care because the record needs to be played. Arizona needs to be able to put points on the board here. This can't be something where, well, we got 21 points. No, it got to be in the high 30s because SC is going to score. SC is going to score a lot of points. Again, I think you probably have the most talented receiving core in the country at SC. And if you don't, it's right there because you've got four or five guys with legitimate uh, uh, NFL aspirations. I mean, heck, Dorian Singer led the conference in receiving last year and is like the fifth wheel there. I mean, that just shows you how talented they are. So they're going to put up points. We'll get to Arizona's defense in a second. But Arizona's got to score in the high 30s, the low 40s here, Ben. Yeah, it's it's no joke. Um, those receivers can torch you every play, as Tony is well aware. And I don't feel confident. You know, I think the secondary has played okay. I certainly wouldn't give them an A minus or even a B plus, probably a B minus. But Mike Gunnar Maldonado worries the hell out of me. I mean, this is a game where whoever is going to be on him, I would assume SC if they're smart puts their best receiver out there. But that could be a a really really rough situation. Whereas if he's getting torched every single play. That just gives SC the opportunity to break away and, and make this a you know two, three, four score game. And that's where you really have problems. And at that point, you build yourself a hole that's that's too big to to climb back from. So to me, Mike, I think all eyes are on the secondary. The defensive line definitely passes the eye test. Um I think it's going to be tough to get to Caleb Williams, you know, regularly, but if they can put enough pressure and slow down the run game, uh, that's when all eyes are on the secondary. And that's why I just I just don't feel confident in that part. Well, but here's one thing that could potentially help you guys is that we, we because we have this embarrassment of riches at receiver, um, mm -hmm. one of the criticisms is that we've been a little bit greedy. You know, so sometimes on second and three, rather than just running the ball for a first down, we try to throw for a touchdown. Right. And 
we get a little bit greedy there. And then all of a sudden we end up with uh, having to punt. We need more of this. So, you know, that, that, but that's something that's a real thing that, you know, if that can happen, if your DBs can be good enough to stop that, what maybe shouldn't have been thrown, you know, that but we have an awesome coach, but he, 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 he gets a little bit greedy on that. And if we don't succeed in it, then you guys can take advantage of it on defense. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, what makes, let me ask, let me ask you this. Cause you've, uh, you've had to sit through a lot of bad USC quarterbacks the last 40 years there, Tony. I mean, it must be difficult with the Carson Palmers and the Matt line. So hard. I mean, uh, diff- I mean, when one of your worst quarterbacks is John Mark booty or what, or what was his name? Uh, uh, John, John David booty, John David, John He's Mark good too. He was good. John Mark Carr. Oh, that was that. Uh, never mind. That was a, uh, that was a bad person. I think that like hung out in the field. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but uh, John David. Uh, so when those are your bad QBs, or when well, that's a bad QB right there, you've obviously dealt with a lot. Where does Caleb Williams? Uh, where does Caleb Williams sit in all of this for you? Uh, you know, in all honesty, I think he sits as the most talented quarterback we've ever had. You know, he's, he is, he is a generational talent. What he can do is phenomenal. Um, I can't wait till they you know pull hit, pull the thing down for his his Heisman number in the end zone. Uh, you, you I mean you could actually see where the Coliseum is actually prepared for right. it already. Um, because we hang the, the Heisman numbers there. So I, I hope they'll do that at the end of the season. It'll be really cool. Uh, he, he is just a generational talent. Because, I mean, again, the thing that Caleb can do, which we see over and over again, is on a completely broken play, on a completely busted play, where any other quarterback would, would you know, dream of just being able to throw the ball away and get rid of it. Caleb somehow turns it into a 70-yard touchdown. Right. And, and that is just, it's so dangerous. It's so amazing. It's talent. It's skill. It's hard work and preparation and coaching and all, all of that in one. And so, and that, that's where I, I just think he is, he is a completely generational talent. Cause again, it's not like we're doing what Michigan's doing where we just sometimes storm down the field. We right. can sputter and then on, you know, third and nine boom, 70 yard touchdown. All right. Yeah. Ben, um, Michael Lev, a uh, uh, great beat writer here for the Arizona Wildcats, who also was for the, uh, I believe the Orange County registers, a uh, yep. USC beat nice. writer right there. He decided to come. Cover he he didn't get suspended like the other beat writer. He did not. That was not Michael Lev. Yeah. He decided though, to come cover a better program. I don't, uh, I don't uh, blame him for that, but Tony, I want to ask you a little bit about um, kind of what makes uh, uh, Caleb Love so, or Caleb Love, excuse me, Caleb Williams. So unique, but first the DraftKings pick of the week is here. My friends tony my DraftKings pick of the week is i love arizona i love arizona to cover in this game not win but cover my friend how about you what say you and what say you ben white i I I say cover as well yeah i mean it's a safe bet because here's here's my my thought is and this is going to sound really stupid but either they'll cover or usc will run away with it right exactly and and i think that that's kind of what what the spread is set with um you know we we tend to not always cover the spreads The, the other thing is when you look at a high spread like this, the other reason I would think to, to take ASU to cover is, you know, unlike some of these other teams, USC doesn't like feel the need to run up the score if they don't have to. Right. And so even if they have a big lead, it wouldn't surprise me if it gets eroded over the game and, and Arizona covers either way. So you, you cover if, that way, you cover if you play well and we'll see. All right. It's not a bad bet. What makes, but Michael, the reason I brought Michael Lev up, and that was also a tease as well. The reason I brought him up, though, is he got beat up here uh, uh, by a lot of people for comparing, uh, Pat, uh, excuse me, um, Caleb uh, Caleb Williams to Pat Mahomes. Now, 
the old plays like Pat Mahomes. He does play like Pat Mahomes. And Michael Lev, this is a tip of the cap to you, my friend, because the way that he moves around, it's not like he's Michael Vick or Vince Young, where you know that he's going to rush for 120 yards or the Lamar Jackson thing. But the ways he's able to navigate the pocket, to be able to move around and either take that 15 yards or buy himself some time to be able to get outside and then wing it deep. Ben, it's a lot like watching the college version of Pat Mahomes. Well, it's all about extending plays. And if you have the talent and the vision that somebody like Mahomes and somebody like Williams has, you have the ability to do those things. It's not necessarily trying to be flashy, like you said, or be a, a quarterback, somebody like Michael Luke or Michael Luke, Michael, Michael, Luke. Luke, Michael Vick, uh, close, close oh, one. Mike, there, on. Yeah, exactly. But um, no, it's, it's all about extending plays. It's all about having awesome vision of the field. And I mean, it's just tremendous what he sees out there after he takes the snap and he can see things breaking. He can see things breaking down or coming open. I think five, 10 seconds more so than anybody, anybody else on the field. And that's what makes somebody like Mahomes so great. So he's shown flashes of that. He also plays smart too. I mean, he's not somebody who's going to take the snap and just run recklessly all over the field or hold onto the ball a little bit too long. So he's just very smart and he's very timely with all his throws and he's got the talent behind all of that so when you combine all that it's a it's it's a big problem for sure and if you add to it he's got the receipt the receivers who can make dramatic catches and and beat the guys when they need to and that that makes it all the better i mean when you look at like usc's bad years when you just laugh and you right. look at thinking about the fact they had michael Pittman and amon ross st brown right. drake yeah. london and and you're like okay well the reason they were so good is they could just throw the ball out there and drake london will find a way to catch it it must be and, a difficult problem to have, Tony, when on your bad years, you still have like two first round picks. I'll never forget, dude, like when I was watching a SC, it was in the mid 90s. And um, we never like, we never get sympathy from anyone. That's no. Yeah, no. And you don't deserve sympathy. And I just remember it was a year where it was like you're, the running backs were still like Sultan McCullough and uh, still guys who were still awesome, even though they weren't great pros or anything. We will, uh-huh. take, we will take your leftovers, Tony, if you have any of those. Make sure to leave those out by the door <laughs> if you want to. Uh, if you want to. All right. Tony Clifton right here. The great Tony Clifton. We need to put our heat seeking missile on Caleb. Justin Flo. This is the epitome of the player that needs to play. One thing that is funny, Tony, about this. One thing uh-huh. that you're not going to know on this. The uh-huh, highest rated the highest rated high school player on either team was just is Justin Flo, my friend. Isn't rated by nice. many as the top rated player in the nation coming out. Obviously, he didn't come here first. He went to Oregon first, but then he matriculated here. Tony, uh, hey, en- it doesn't matter where they start. It's where they end up. Tony, you're envious of our talent. Be honest. Hey, I, I, hey, <laughs> does he want to come to USC for a grad degree? We'll take him. Right. Um, but that, ben, I mean, that, that, no, Arizona's got good players. You always have, you've yeah. always had good players. And no, like I said, no. what Jen, Tony, you're being too nice. Stop. Okay. In, you're building up again to where you used to be, where you had good players. And what Jed Fish is doing is, is getting that team back up there. And they're, again, they're well coached. Your teams mm-hmm. are well, you got, Brennan Carroll coaching your guys. So, you know, that has a special place in our heart. And and so, it, again, it would not surprise me that Arizona plays a strong game here. This is going to be a huge game for the line, too, here, Ben. Uh, Arizona, we're talking about our talent right here. Arizona's got two on their line. And again, Tony, we're going to uh, we're going to uh, flaunt our NFL talent as much as possible because we don't get a lot as of should. NFL talent. Jordan Morgan is projected by uh, Mel Kuyper to go 22 in the draft this year. Um, he's the, uh, obviously he's at the uh, left tackle position. Then you got right tackle, big Jonas Sabinea, our guy, who's also probably the best NFL prospect on the team. Um, then inside Leif Magnuson, our guy, Quinn Magnuson, if you're out there listening, shout out my friend, 
But uh, him, Wendell Moe, Josh Baker, this is going to be a huge game for them because uh, Noah's going to need a little bit of time back there. He's obviously a shorter guy. This Arizona offensive line needs to be able to come to play today. Yeah, football games like this are going to be won or lost at the line of scrimmage. And the nice thing about Arizona is you're in a pretty good position. I know they've had injuries here or there, especially on the offensive line, but you just broke down that foundation right there. And that foundation has done a really good job of giving, whether it's Delora or Fafita last week, time in the pocket to throw the football. How many times have we talked about over the last 10 or 12 years, Arizona's offensive line just completely following apart two weeks after the season, absolutely no depth, no talent, and the quarterback has just no time to throw the ball. And as a result, I think somebody like Anu Solomon could have been a lot better than he was, but that was the issue. Just didn't have time, got injured, never was the same. I mean, we can go on and on, but the nice thing about it is these quarterbacks – like Fafita, like JDL. Fafita, if he plays tomorrow, is going to have the luxury, I think, of having a little bit more time than most of these QBs who's faced USC in the past. So if you're able to capitalize on that, and then on the defensive side, conversely, if you're able just to get enough pressure and just be respectable, just, just don't suck. Right. And this defense has shown all throughout the year that they don't suck. I mean, they have talent, like you said, Mike. So if, if things continue the way they have, I, I see no reason why Arizona can at least be competitive if, the big if they can score at least 38 points. Tony Altimore, let me ask you this. You're a man of style, a man of substance, Uh-oh. a man of flash. Let me ask you this. What kind of sunglasses do you wear, Tony Altimore? I need some new ones. Which ones should I try? Shady Which ones should I go for? Shady Rays, my friend. Tony Shady Altimore, Rays you is. Shady Rays on there. You would look, I'm assuming you have a Ferrari or a Lambo or something <laughs> like that. You put these in there and it just sets the thing off to a whole nother standard. It would make me look borderline acceptable in public. That's how cool these things are right there. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season and to Tony Altimore as well. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHNX for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Tony, You can be like Tony Altimore, not have them yet, but then you can hop in there as we well and get them. Okay. You, 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 they'd be perfect for the USC band. It would. All right. We're going to go. go back to, let's go back to a little Noah Fafita talk. If uh, Jacob, if we could pull up Jed Fish right here talking about Mr. Noah Fafita and his performance. How do I think that uh, Noah played? I think he played at a, uh, a good level and a, um, for a guy that was thrown into a game that was in front of a sellout crowd against a top 10 team. To I think he missed maybe eight passes, I think, something like that, or he was 29 for 37 or 27 for 39, whatever it was. I think he completed at a very high percentage of passes and did a nice job moving the ball and threw three touchdown passes. Uh, sure, he'd like the interception back, but uh, I thought he played at a really high level. You look around college football, I know Notre Dame, uh, Duke lost their quarterback. Um, I know that uh, Kansas lost their quarterback. You know, and uh, it's very tough to win uh, in those circumstances. But uh, Noah gave us a chance to do that. And uh, I'm excited about if Noah is playing this coming week, that uh, he'll give us a great chance to win. This is what's got to happen here, Tony. We've got to have a lot of Noah's Ark touchdown passes in this game right here. You would agree with that. It's good, is it not? It's funny. Hey, it's it's perfect for the headlines if if they pull off the win. Right. Um, okay. Now let's check it out right here with, uh, oh, by the way, our good friend Keck is in here. Um, all right. Now with uh, Noah Fafita right here, here's what I need from him. He's going to be playing in front of all of his homies, all of his buddies. I need to be able to get, I need, 
I need over 300 yards. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to open it up. Uh, Brennan Carroll talked about it before that last week, it was just kind of an ability or just kind of getting everything set, getting everything ready for him. Uh, but then let's be honest here. If Noah Fafita is out there, this is two straight weeks as a, uh, this is two straight weeks as the, uh, the, the number one out there, you gotta be able to put, you gotta be able to open that, uh, open that playbook up there, Ben White, maybe not to the way that Caleb Williams has it, but you still got to open that playbook up. hundred percent. You have to, I mean, there's no chance against a team like SC if you're not scoring every single possession. I mean, he threw what 39 passes last week against Washington. So, um, they put him in positions where he was having to throw the football consistently. I think you're going to have to see an increased number there. I think, the thing for him, right, is act like you've been there before. Be yeah. calm, cool, collective. And if you're him, you have to have confidence thinking, hey, you know, I was a touchdown away from beating the seventh ranked team in the country, arguably the best team in the Pac-12. Right. Um, so you've got to have the confidence there. Like we've talked about, the weapons are there. He has every single reason to be successful. And I think he knows that. I think he understands what the coaching staff wants him to do. And I'm excited. Um you know, conversely, USC probably has a pretty good idea uh, that it's going to be him as the quarterback. So there's a little bit more game planning in uh, to what this week is going to look like. So uh, today will I mean, tomorrow will really tell. And I'm not saying that, you know, he needs to win or lose them the game per se, but he needs to go out there, move the ball down the field, not throw any interceptions, you know, play a pretty sound game. And if he can do all those things, there's no reason with Arizona's tools on offense that they can't be in this game, Mike. All right, Robert Madrill says, any news on Wiley's status? I would be very, very surprised if Wiley plays. But when you have a bevy of running backs in the stable, tailback you is not uh, Tony Altimore. It is the U of A right there. But uh, Jonah Coleman, I would love to see him get the ball more. Him and DJ Williams, totally cool with that. And I think, honestly, they get the ball running downhill. They're a little bit more thumper types. Um, Arizona's got to be able to run the ball and frosty mug right here makes a very good point. That was in my show notes right here as well. Stanford ran for over 200 on SC. I think Arizona's got a chance, Tony, we should be able to run the ball against you guys. Well, we'll see the Stanford number is a little bit disjo disjointed because they were basically like, you know, sure. if your preschool kids wanted to play in the second half, they were letting them play. Uh, I don't, I don't even think Caleb, I don't even know if Caleb came out in the second half uh, on right. the field. So the the Stanford number is ah, a little cares? bit. Still, the numbers the number, but, Tony. We're gonna run with Colorado them. ran on us. If Colorado can run on you, can run on us. Right. That Arizona State ran on us. So our defense has shown that they are uh, able to be run overrun on. One one of the things that was an issue in a couple of the last games is that the we do have some really good players in defense, and they were overshooting a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so you know, if you had kind of a slow developing play, they overshoot it. Now there's a gap you can take. What's your take on uh, yeah, that's well, me, not happening? I'll tell you what, actually, let me get this read in. I'm curious about Tony's take and Ben White's take as well, obviously, on this. But first, OGs. Tony, have you ever had OGs? I have not. I need to try them. Oh, you should check out OGs. Tony, they're a lifesaver for you right there. All right. Check out our friends at OGs Brands for yourself and try one or a few of the many delicious flavors. Check them out across all socials at OGs Brands and online at OGsBrands.com. Do find them at a local dispensary near you. Like Tony Altimore, you must be 21 years or up to enjoy responsibly. Check it out right there. You will like it. All kinds of stuff. The fruits, the red wa apple, watermelon, peach, you name it. They've got it. Check it out. What's your guys' take? We've mentioned Colorado here, and a lot of people are mentioning that. What's your guys' take on Colorado this season? A little bit off topic, but Dion's Dion, obviously. Um, what do you guys think? Ben White, then Tony Altimore. I think it's a great story. Um, 
I think it has a lot of eyes on college football, especially in this first half where there really aren't a lot of storylines. Um, I think it's fascinating that somebody like him is able to come in and, and bring the player and get the caliber of player that he has. But at the same time, I think they're a year or two away from, you know, being competitive in the sense that, you know, they're winning the Pac-12 or something along those lines. But I think it's special. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of college football over the last really 10, 20 years, it's just been so top heavy. And as we've seen with NIL and all these new rules, it goes to show you that a program like Colorado, you know, Dion comes from obviously his background from a coaching standpoint isn't exactly long, but he's able to come in. He's a figure. He's somebody that kids look up to, obviously. And when you have somebody like that, you're going to get some good players. And I mean, Shadur Sanders, the quarterback, his son has been fantastic. And I think when you have somebody as talented as him, I don't care how bad your offensive line is. I don't care how much of a work in progress your team is. You're going to be in some games as we've seen throughout the year. So I think it's great for college football. I think it gets eyes on it. I think it brings in a new uh, group of people that weren't maybe necessarily paying as close attention to it. And uh, the thing about it, too, is if if Dion would have joined uh, the Pac-12 maybe a year earlier, uh, maybe this conference still exists uh, going into next year. You would have a much ha happier Tony Altimore about realignment if Dion had come here a well, year earlier. This is true, well, Tony. But I'll, I'll tell you, the other, the other thing about Dion is, so a couple of things. One, I totally agree. I think everything Ben said is spot on. You know, they're they're probably a year away. But if we think about how bad that team was, what he has done to turn them around is absolutely remarkable. Just right. full on remarkable. And and not only that, but he's re-energized the school. He's re-energized the fan base. And if you take a look, too, I mean, one of the things he gets a lot of flack because they they had to get they had to get rid of a lot of their players. They just they had to. But he's really bringing in a lot of things, at least from what we can see, that are also focused on character focus on academic he opens his press conferences uh i forget which day of the week it is but with who they're like students of the week are right um talks about before talking about football talks about some of the charitable things that the players are doing i mean the things that they they did for example the that they pushed travis hunter uh, the things he's done like hosting the guy who hit him in that in the when he got hurt and they went in a bowling together on youtube i mean just you know, stuff like that, like they are not only just transforming the program, but I think setting a tone for football that's good. And they're bringing in fans while they do it. Also, you watch that team. They are well coached. They, they are, are very well prepared. Yeah. They are. They don't make stupid penalties. Um, I just I have all the respect in the world. for, I, And I did before but have even more respect, all the respect in the world for Coach Prime. I am very glad. Arizona dodged a bullet with Dion, and that's called a tease. We will get to that in just a second here. But first, Saturday Neon. Now, I do not have my normal A behind me right here, but the normal back, the A Neon, that is very cool. Everybody has commented on it before. Everybody wants it. Thanks for asking. Thanks for wanting it. Here's what you do. You go to SaturdayNeon.com and use code PHNX for $10 off your order today. Free shipping for orders over $200. You will thank me later when you check this out. Saturday Neon. Saturday Again, Neon. Set, check it out. Tony Altimore would look very good. A nice little A back there behind that He's, kind of blurry. Maybe picture. an FC. Do they have one of those? Yeah. Well, I should, I'll just check it out. It would look very cool for sure. All right. With, uh, with Dion... I am glad that ASU did not hire Dion. Dion in Phoenix would have been an absolute monster. And I'm glad that they went with Dilly. I actually like Dilly, but I am. Uh, I think Arizona dodged a bullet right there with because uh, Dion in the Valley would have been all kinds of issues, Ben White. Yeah, he would have kept all these kids home, right? And uh, 
you know, to be honest, ASU is a lot more of an appealing program than Colorado, just given where they are, given the talent. So uh, selfishly, yeah, they did dodge a bullet for sure. Yes, uh, yes, ASU, uh, again, that uh, Tony Altimore, how would Dion do in uh, Phoenix? How do you think? Uh, I think he'd do really well. I will say one of the things, though, that would be an issue for him in Phoenix, I think, is Colorado was so desperate. I mean, they were so bad. They were so desperate that they agreed to just turn over the keys to him to do anything he wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as the people he brought in, the way they run the program, bringing (laughs) cameras into meetings and all that. I don't know that Michael Crow and Ray Anderson are are are, are doing what I mean. Colorado just threw up their hands. Whatever whatever you want, will do. I don't know that that works as well with with Ray Anderson and and, and Michael Crow on on day one. Now now of course now that we've you've seen for a year, hey, what he's doing is so successful. I think more teams would be more schools would be willing to do that. But right. if, if he'd gone to ASU in year one and, and tried some of that stuff, I think there there might have been a little more pushback. Yeah, that like I think that's fair to say. But either way, I'm still glad that Kenny's there yeah, because exactly. uh, because uh, that could have been a supernova in the valley. We do not like supernovas in the valley, by the way. By the way, Tony Altimore, <laughs> have you ever driven to Phoenix and seen one of those huge haboobs that like blow up? Do you know what a haboob so, is? I do. So I lived in Saudi Arabia for a couple of years. So we we had very similar. Sandstorm Ooh, shenanigans. Yeah, I don't need to lecture you on the haboob then. Was this when you were in the CIA? Uh, it's when I worked overseas. Yeah. So you were in the CIA at that point? I, I worked. I used to work for the government. Okay. Oh, Tony, that's a CIA talk right there. I see it. Okay. It was fun. Great. Yeah, right. Best people I've ever worked with. Oh, I, I would imagine. I would imagine. So you can't tell us anymore. Otherwise, you would have to get rid of us. I understand. No, no, um, no. Okay. Now, um, going forward then, what are we looking at? What, how do we see this game playing out? Ben white, um, where do you look for when you look at, uh, when you look down at your show notes and you say, all right, this is what's going to play. This is my draft Kings pick of the week. This is how I'm going to play out. How does Arizona get the cover? My friend. Yeah, I think, um, you're going to see the cover in that second half. I think in the first half, especially that first quarter and a half SC is probably going to be up, you know, two scores, maybe two and a half scores. Then I think, as we've seen with USC over time, I think on the defensive side, you start to see some of those vulnerabilities. I think Arizona will open up the playbook gradually as the game goes on for Fafita. And uh, I think as a result, you'll see Arizona make a couple explosive plays that uh, maybe people aren't predicting. So I think it gets a little bit closer. I think going into the fourth quarter, you have a shot. And then ultimately, I can see USC just taking care of business because Arizona's defense at that point is just so dang tired. Um, they do all they can, and, and Caleb Williams is just too special. And at that point, you're probably looking at an SC victory. Tony Altimore? Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting question. If USC can come out and and take advantage of, of the talent and not, not have turnovers, get the ball in the end zone, and have some defensive strength, I think that'll look really good. If they let ASU hang in there too long. ASU, or, or Tony, or Tony. We're just talking about Michael Crow. We're just talking about Michael Crow. Right. I, well, I, I'm trying. Hey, I'm traumatized because ASU did hang in there. I right, feel yeah. like Arizona hang in there like ASU did. Uh, Arizona, I think, has more talent to be able to capitalize on it than ASU did. Um, and and they, they might that. have some struggles. All right. I'm kind of at that same stage, too. I think that this is going to be something like a uh, 51 to 38 game, but I think Noah Fafita is going to equip himself very well. But uh, that's where we're at now. Oh, no, we've had, we have Tony on right now. Tony specializes in realignment talk right here. We wanted to talk a little bit about realignment. Tony, Uh-oh. Tony, first of all, these Pac-12 presidents, you got to admit, 
A lot of these guys are dunces out here. They didn't know what they were doing. They're the ones responsible for the. Uh, They're the completely stuff. responsible. Okay, Tony, the the, the 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 soapbox is yours. Go ahead, my friend. Oh, no, they're completely responsible for it. I mean, St- Stanford and Cal especially, not only they they failed to lead the conference, which is what they needed to do. Right. Because here's the thing. I mean, and President Murthy from Oregon State is amazing, right? She's, mm. she's really fantastic. But she is not one who can tell people to fall in line and do, do what has to be done. Right. And St- right. Stanford, who was on the executive committee, completely failed to lead, lead the conference there. They completely failed to hold everybody else in line. They completely failed to get other conferences to knock off the nonsense. I mean, Stanford has power in higher ed that they did not use. Right, right. Uh, I, I will tell you, I, I do think it's a very interesting. Washington, I do think, also just sort of sat back and did nothing and sort of let, just waiting, hoping the Big Ten would magically come, and they did. Right. And so I, I don't think Washington helped lead the – I love President Kelsey. She's fantastic as a president but I don't think she was helping lead the pack to solutions and Washington state also did not, did not do what had to be done in the role that the Washington state president was in to get it done, which is funny because that exact same thing happened in when the old PCC died. So I don't know if you guys know this, but the old Pacific coast conference, USC, UCLA and Cal quit immediately a whole bunch of other schools applied to fill their gaps. And the conference sat on it and did nothing. They, they, the PCC would still exist today if they brought in Utah, Arizona, and San Jose State to replace those teams. And they didn't. And so then all of a sudden, Washington quit and the conference fell apart. Same thing happened here. But right, it's, Tony, I, it's entirely you, Tony, the president's fault. Tony, you're, you're, an, you're an ex-interrogator uh, right there. I said it, not you, so you don't no, have no, to no. <laughs> Tony, do you feel misled by, the, uh, by some of these people right here? The, yeah, there, there are some of them that I think definitely misled. The president from Washington State said a lot of things that I think were very neat should be very considered as not accurate at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it's one thing to say, Oh, we're hoping to do this. We're trying to do this. We want to, but a lot of the things, I mean, stuff he said to regents stuff he said in public interviews does not seem to have been accurate. And, and there should be some serious there's there Washington state's leadership needs to, I think, look at some, some accountability in that because that, that was, Again, a lot of things he said turned out to not be the case. Now, there's a lot of other things that are sort of situational, right? Like, you know, the the what is. So, for example, if they they had opportunities that they didn't capitalize on, right? You know, and a lot of people who said there's a lot of people on on the other side too who said like said, oh, in May this is happening. Oh, this is happening. Oh, this region things, and it wasn't. You know, that's kind of like if if you say it's going to snow in July and then it snows in December, you weren't right in July. It's <laughs> a great <laughs> so, way of putting it. Yeah, so Tony, that, was that, funny. that was funny. All these people, oh, Arizona's going to the Big 12 this week. No, they weren't. Um, but the, again, the, the presidents are the ones who absolutely screwed that up. And there were other opportunities that they screwed up. But I think it's because they weren't being led by Washington. They weren't being led by State, Washington State. And then Stanford and Cal needed to be Imperial Stanford and Cal, which, by the way, is how they got, they created the Pac 12 by Stanford and Cal being Imperial Stanford and Cal. And they just, by the nothing. way, Tony, this is very funny. Tony Clifton to uh, Tony Altimore. Tony, can you waterboard Larry Scott? <laughs> that is fantastic. Tony, would you ever do that? I know I, Larry Scott deserves a fate worse than waterboarding. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, okay. We're, we're, we'll let Tony take Larry, care of that one. Larry now, Scott needs like a Game of Thrones fate. You know, where's Cersei <laughs> to take care of Larry Scott? 
All right, let me ask you this, Tony. Um, have you ever had Four Peaks Brew? I have not, but there's some good brew out there, so I need to try it out. Oh, yes, you do. All right, the four, the official brew of PHNX Sports. Check it out. Visit fourpeaks.com backslash locator to find all of your favorite brewery tours and events. Steinholding, Oktoberfest, Haunted Brewery Tours are right around the corner. Check out Four Peaks Brew or Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest in Arizona hometown brewery. You must be 21 years or older to drink Four Peaks. Please drink responsibly. Check it out there, Tony Altamore. I think you will be, uh, and no better time to become a PHNX diehard. Many people are looking at Ben White's hat and saying, Ben White, that is a very cool hat right there. Guess what? All kinds of cool merch. If you're a PHNX diehard, go to gophnx.com. Check out the Discord chat, all of that stuff, all kinds of merch. You will thank me later. You will be a better person for it. Maybe you can get on, uh, Maybe you can start looking a little more like Tony Altimore out there, everybody. Like there, always stat, always need to get one of the hats, dude. I know, right? All right, guys. Before we sign off here, um, all I listen. I'm more interested in Arizona's offense in this game. I want Arizona to be able to put the points on the board. Um, and again, because again, I think the defense is going to have a very, very difficult time. Um, the one thing though. I need Noah to play well because I think Noah should be the man going forward, but it makes it a lot easier if Noah's arc has a lot of touchdown passes out there, Tony Altamore, than Ben White. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. If your offense plays well, and if your defense plays well, I mean, your defense has to just stop those big plays from happening. Your defense yep. has to make sure that our that our plays that are busted don't turn into 60-yard touchdowns. Right. Um, and that's about, you know, stay on your guy, you know, don't, don't rush, just, you know, sort of force, force our offense to, to do what it's supposed to do. And, and, and you can stay in the game. If you stay in the game, you got a shot. I mean, it's pack 12, it's pack 12 after dark. So anything can happen. Ben, I, I think that's all spot on. Um, I think for Arizona, I'm really looking for Arizona just to establish their offensive identity and more importantly, who their quarterback is moving forward. I think this is a get right game to figure out what kind of team are we offensively and just how good are we? Last week was awesome. You lose by one touchdown to the seventh ranked team in the country. You have a quarterback in Noah Fafita, who a lot of people have been calling for, but you got to follow up with another tough task. And how will you respond? Will you be able to move the ball down the field with ease? Will you be uh, just acceptable enough? Because as the year goes on, these games are going to be tough. There are no give me's in the rest of this schedule. And as we've talked about in the Pac-12, just the the variety and the the high quality player you have at the quarterback position. I mean, there are no give me's. So Arizona needs to show that they belong, you know, from an offensive standpoint. And you just need to be competitive. And I think Fafita, I think he needs to clearly show the coaching staff and show the fans and, and show everybody associated with this program that he can be the starting quarterback moving forward. Because if this team's going to make a bowl game, Mike, I think he's got to be the quarterback. All right. Tony and Ben White summed it up a lot better than I ever could. That's why I have them on the show right there. Appreciate all of you. To our good friend Keck out there, check the views at this time tomorrow, my friend, then get back to me. <laughs> all right. But again, Tony, Ben White, Jacob Franklin behind the scenes. We are going to be at the Coliseum. Uh, Tony Altimore's stomping you going? around. Oh, we're there, yep. my friend. So we hang Will you hang out in the posh retirement home in uh, Florida? <laughs> we will be in SC, my friend. But as always, Tony, always appreciate your time, my guy. Hey, thanks for having me. Fight on, guys. All right. And we'll talk with you. Back the A, baby. We'll be back with you live on assignment 1030 from the Coliseum. For Tony Altimore, Ben White, Jacob Franklin, I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. 
Y'all silly like the mayor. 